Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Hello, we're at the third Sunday of Advent, and this um, edition or version of our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope, Rejoicing in a Weary World, um, our title today is Joy in a Weary World, and we'll be reading Psalm 126 and Luke 2, 8 through 20. So starting with Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. And then Luke 2. In that region there were shepherds living in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. The word of God for the people of God. So this information is adapted from Connecticut Explored, a book by Greg Pugliese, published in spring of 2010. Peter Hagen, Halagian, came to the United States from Armenia in 1890. Even though he had a factory job, he dreamed of starting his own business. To make extra money, he sold fruit and candy after work. He and his daughters sold homemade sweets to people waiting for the train. They also sold candy by going from house to house. People loved his sweet treats. In 1895, Halagian was able to open a candy shop in Naugatuck. His shop was so successful, so he opened two more shops. Customers had a hard time pronouncing his last name, so he changed it to Paul. His name was now 
Peter, Paul. His brother-in-law, Cal Kazanjian, joined the growing business. And during World War I, the U.S. Army asked candy makers, including Peter Paul, to make chocolate bars for soldiers. In 1919, Paul and Kazanjian convinced four friends and family members to invest in their new company they named Peter Paul Manufacturing Company. At this point, there was a lot of competition in the candy business. Paul and um, Kazajian needed to create a candy that was different from anyone else's. They hired Henry Tatijian, a Bridgeport candy maker. In 1921, the Peter Paul Manufacturing Company introduced the Mounds candy bar. The Mounds bar had chocolate on the outside and coconut on the inside. It quickly became the company's best-selling candy. In 1927, Peter Paul died. The company continued to do well, but they had competition to worry about. World War II was a difficult time for many companies. Peter Paul could not get the ingredients it needed. Sugar was in short supply. So the company stopped creating other candies so it could focus on mounds. Mounds were sent to soldiers. Five million candy bars were sent to troops every month. After the war, Peter Paul added an almond to the mounds bar and created the Almond Joy. It was also a hit. Peter Paul advertised its products on the radio. It even became the first candy company to run a commercial on color television. Do you remember the slogan? Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. In 1978, the company was sold to Cadbury Schweppes for $58 million. Ten years later, it was sold again to Hershey's for $300 million. Peter Halagian's Candy Company will always be remembered as one of Connecticut's most successful businesses. This is the perfect story of what we call the American dream, right? Someone comes to America, has a dream, works hard to accomplish that dream, and ends up as a success. Maybe when some of us were young, we had that crazy idea, but what did we do with it? I think there are some of you who, like Peter Paul, took that dream and ran with it have worked hard, and are now reaping those rewards. But there are those of us who had a dream, had a vision of what we could do, but for whatever reason just didn't follow through. And our dreams of success are not always about big, amazing careers with all those accolades like becoming a rock star, but it could be about what kind of person you're going to marry, what kind of house you live in, or simply being on the cool kids list around school. I think it's human nature to want to be successful, to be liked or stand out in some positive way. It just feels good when your name is called for that award, to be on the list of heroes or good people, to feel special and appreciated, to feel like you have value. When we watch award shows, we see the joy dance over someone's face when their name is called as being the best anything. Don't we all secretly, deep down inside, want our name to be called, to know that we are the best at something, to be recognized in some way? Don't we all want to feel that rush of joy? There's a lot of joy in our passages this morning, and it can help us find our joy by taking a look at them. And we're going to start with Psalm 126. Now, we don't always dig into the Psalms, but I find that it has a lot to say to us today. 
We talked last week about what had happened to the Israelites in the Isaiah passage. They had been in exile for 70 years and had lost everything, their homes, their country, their temple, pretty much all of their identity. They had such dreams of going home and what that would be like and the joy they felt as they heard the words, you're free, you can go home now and rebuild your temple, had to be unbelievable. They probably started singing songs of joy right there and then. They probably sang all the way back to Jerusalem. The first three verses of Psalm 126 capture this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. What had happened was so amazing that the whole world was in awe of what God had done for them. Just the thought of God's goodness and sending them home made them dance all the way home, or at least gave them a spring in their step. Everyone knew they were loved by God, they were special to God, and that God had made a way where there seemed to be no way. But then, things didn't go exactly how they had planned, not according to their glorious vision, and they were getting discouraged. Nothing would be as good as it was before. Yes, God had brought them home, but home was hard, and they suddenly didn't feel that special anymore. So they turned to God again in the second three verses of Psalm 126. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses of the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. The Negev is an unforgiving desert at the southern part of Israel. When it does rain, the riverbeds flood and overflow. The Israelites don't just want God to provide. They want God to show his mighty power once again and overdo it, fill them with good things, overflowing with abundant life, to feel his presence in a mighty way, to know they are his people, loved and cared for, special. Their joy, they say, will come from God acting for their good in a way that everyone will know they have value. And their God loves them with an everlasting, unfailing love. Even though we're crying now, Lord, when we see you do these amazing things, we will laugh with delight, shout for joy, because we know how we will know then how much you love us, Lord, and we will be able to say once again, the Lord has done great things for us. As we struggle in our everyday lives, as we search for anyone to say we're special and valuable, we all kind of want a sign, right? We want to know that God still cares, that we are loved, especially in this difficult time, this world full of fear and anxiety, of violence and hate, of chaos and struggles, a sign that we are loved, valuable, and special is Jesus. The world Jesus came into as a baby was not the happiest world either. It was considered a time of peace due to the Pax Romana, 
that came about by the Roman oppression of the known world. This peace came at a price. Those in power kept everyone else under their foot in the margins, leaving them to struggle. Those in the margins did not count in the grand scheme of things, having no status, no wealth to fall back on, no power in the way their country was governed, and there seemed to be no way to change this. To the Romans, the others of the world had no value, except in what they could do for them. The Israelites, now the Jews, were calling out for the Messiah, the one who would turn everything around, restore their fortunes, and show the world once again that the Lord has done great things for them. And God hears their cry and answers their prayers. Yet it is not the oppression of the Romans that the Messiah is coming to save them from. It is from the oppression of sin And the salvation he brings is for everyone, including the Romans. That night so long ago, God did amazing things. God restored our fortunes, yet he did it through the least likely, the least powerful, the outcasts. And it was not what anyone expected. Instead of a warrior to conquer the Romans, God calls a young girl, barely able to care for herself, to bear the light of salvation to the world. He calls a carpenter who struggles to know that he is doing what is right, that his intended wife really loves him, and that he can really be a good earthly father to God's son. He sends the good news to shepherds, the lowest of the low in society, and surprises us all. And what is the good news? The Lord has done great things for us. Mary sings for joy herself as she realizes the honor God has given her. In Luke 1, 46-55, is Mary's song, known as the Magnificat. She sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations... Generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary's soul rejoices. The spirits rejoice when they realize that God loves them enough to give them the honor of seeing this Messiah. Why do they rejoice? The Lord has done great things for them. He sees them. He has called them. He knows who they are. And God chooses them to be special bearers of God's good news to the world. See, Mary will still have to deal with the stigma of being pregnant before she was married. Joseph will still struggle with the label of being the man who married a supposedly adulterous woman. Struggling to take care of their son, who will be the savior of the world in a world that will try to destroy him. The shepherds will still struggle with living life in the margins, looked down upon by pretty much everyone. 
Yet God has made them part of the salvation story, given them recognition and a new identity as beloved children of God, and it gave them joy. God has come to earth in human form and has chosen to show his love to them. But why has he done all this? To bring peace to the world, a world that is full of fear and anxiety, full of violence and hate, full of despair, seemingly empty of human compassion and love. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and everyone else involved in this amazing story all had their own struggles, struggles that could have overwhelmed them in time. But once they saw what God had done, they chose to have faith in those struggles that, would, that those struggles would not be forever that they had value. They were loved because the God of the universe had stepped down and come among them as one of them. No matter what their lives looked like, they knew that it wouldn't always be like that. That God had given them a future, a new future, no matter what the present looked like. And they laughed and rejoiced and shouted for joy seeing that baby, believing that he was the promised Messiah, was all they needed to choose joy over sadness, laughter over tears, and hope over despair. They chose joy. I don't know about you, but the way the world is today it can seem like the joy is being sucked right out of the air. It would be so easy to concentrate on all that's not right, to concentrate on all that's evil, and be overwhelmed with grief and despair. It can make us feel powerless, and since we don't have the power to change anything, like we're useless and can't do anything of value, that we have no value in the world. But that's exactly when Jesus comes into our lives, slipping silently into the manger. God becoming human, walking with us, sharing our grief and our struggles. On that day so long ago, God restored our fortunes. God called us by name, each one of us, and gave us a choice. We can see the struggles of the world and choose despair. Or we can see what God has done for us and choose joy. Yes, joy can sometimes come unexpectedly in the everyday things of life. But for Christians, real joy that you feel down deep comes from the knowledge of what God has done for us in coming to earth as a human, showing us that we are loved, that we have value, the soul can now feel its worth because we have seen God. Jesus came to us as a baby, living among us, died on the cross to free us from sin, and rose to new life to free us from death. Christ is here with us. In the midst of our struggles, we are not alone. Christ lives in us. This is the source of our joy. We can rejoice because even in the midst of these terrible things, we have real peace, a peace sent by God himself 
and paid for, not by the oppression of others, but by Christ on the cross. We know who we are and whose we are and how far he will go to show us how much we are loved. The Lord has done great things for us. We are loved. We have life. We have salvation. Peter Paul worked hard to bring joy to the world through his dream of making candy, and he accomplished it through the almond joy, but it was hard work. Sometimes choosing joy over despair can be hard work. We all have a dream. We all want to know that we are loved and have value. And we have a God who loves us. And we can see that and find our joy in Christ. So when life seems overwhelming and despair threatens to take over, look at the manger and choose joy. Sing a song of praise to God for what he has done. Choose joy. Look around and see what God is doing even in the struggles. Choose joy. Remember his promise of an imperishable future kept for us, for those who call upon his name, who claim that salvation given to us so long ago when the news seems bad. Look in the manger and choose joy. When you're at the bottom, look to the manger and choose joy. When there seems no way out, look at the manger and choose joy. Look around. There is joy everywhere you look. You can find joy in this weary world. I know it's there. It started in the manger, but we can find it in the sunsets, in the kindness of strangers, in the ways God surprises us throughout our day, in the flowers that bloom so beautifully, in the music we hear this time of year, and in the Christmas lights, and in the ways we'll still be together, even when we can't share Christmas in our homes or in the ways we have in the past. Look to the manger, then find joy in sharing the good news. Help someone else have joy by sharing the story of God's love we see at Christmas. Be joyful in all circumstances. Choose joy. Let it be said of you that your life is filled with joy. Then like the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, our souls will rejoice. Dream big. Choose joy. Amen.